The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. You know, I often speak about Nathan Sharansky. Nathan Sharansky could have melted into silent subjugation to the Soviets, but he understood, he understood that true character is doing the right thing. Not even, but especially when it hurts. And he aligned himself with, with Sakharov, who had the guts to take a stance on human rights, even though it exposed him to huge political pressure and ultimately imprisonment. Sharansky, as you know, his story was engaged to a woman named Avital. Their dream was to get married, live in Israel, raise a family. But of course, the Russians had other ideas. In 1973, in a makeshift secret ceremony in Moscow, Nathan Sharansky married his beloved Avital. During the ceremony, she gave him a gift, a Tehillim, a book of Psalms, which in later years would become his lifeline. On that same day, they were notified that Avital, and Avital only, was granted a visa to go to Israel. And the cruelty of the communists were, they told her that she had 24 hours to take it or leave it, after which the offer would be rescinded. They knew that they had just gotten married, and so presenting to her this challenge, you want to go to Israel? You can go, he can't, and you have 24 hours to take us up on it, otherwise you're both stuck here. Nathan Chiransky and his kala, his bride Avital, discussed it amongst themselves, and they reached a heart-wrenching decision that Avital needs to seize the opportunity and go to Israel. And with God's help, they would one day meet again in the Holy Land, but not to let an opportunity like this go to waste. So Avital Sharansky, newlywed of one day, made Aliyah. Sure, most of you remember the story because it was always in the press by us, what happens next, Nathan Sharansky was immediately arrested. He was arrested on false charges of espionage, and he was sent to a gulag in Siberia. His young bride, his young wife, this quiet, understated woman, suddenly became this firebrand, speaking out loudly, demanding that her husband, who was guilty of no crime, be set free. And she traveled the world. She knocked on doors in Israel, in America. She contacted anyone who may have had the slightest bit of influence. She stood on street corners with signs, and she led marches, and she appeared on talk shows. She let her husband's story be known and turned his plight into a symbol of all of Soviet Jewry imprisoned behind the Iron Curtain. There was a man named Gordon Zaks, and he was very involved in the Jewish Federation, and he took Avital Sharansky's cry under his wing. And he arranged meetings with her, with scores of senators, with congressmen, with cabinet members. But he writes, Gordon Zacks writes that the most memorable of all meetings took place on May 28, 1981, where he was able to arrange a meeting between Avital Sharansky and President Ronald Reagan. Vital sat in the Oval Office and softly but firmly told her story. She spoke of how she missed her husband, who was languishing in solitary confinement in Siberia for no reason other than being a Jew and a human being with a conscience. She spoke of how he stays sane by reading from the book of Tehillim, the book of Psalms that she had given him. She spoke of how she worried about his health, and she finished her story by saying these simple words, I want my husband back. And she repeated these words over and over with pleading determination, I want my husband back. 
Gordon Zachs, who witnessed all this, noticed that after Avital finished her story, President Reagan had tears in his eyes. Sitting at the edge of his chair, the president looked into her eyes and said, Avital, I promise you, I promise you that no meeting will take place between the Soviet Union and the United States on any topic without the plight of Soviet Jewry and the specific issue of your husband's release being on the agenda. I will not rest until your husband is free. And President Reagan kept his promise. The issue became a fixture at every United States Soviet discussion, no matter if the session was about strategic arms limitations, if it was about grain sales, or if it was about Soviet submarines in the Baltic. Soviet Jewry and Sharansky were always part of Reagan's opening statements. During the Reagan-Gorbachev summit in Geneva in November of 1985, Sure enough, Avital Sharansky was out there on the streets with her sign. And the president is driving with Gorbachev in his limousine. And whether it was prearranged, planned, whatever it was, their limousine is passing the street corner where Avital Sharansky is standing. And he points at her from the window and he says to Gorbachev, you can keep saying that Sharansky is an American spy. But my people trust that woman. And as long as you keep him and other political prisoners locked up, we will never be able to establish a relationship of trust. That summit, by the way, was the launching pad for Glasnost and Perestroika. And it was also the beginning of the end of what Reagan called the evil empire. Just a few months later, Nathan Sharansky was set free. And on his last day in Siberia, the Russians tried to exact one last bit of humiliation from their prisoner of nine years. They confiscated his Tehillim. They took away his precious book of Psalms that were given to him by Avital on the day of his wedding that kept him sane and alive all those years. Now, Sharansky's release was world news. The plan was for the Americans to be waiting on the West Berlin side of the Glenki Bridge while Sharansky was set free from the East Berlin side. And the whole world was waiting for this big moment. Diplomats, reporters, cameras gathered on the bridge waiting to catch a glimpse. But no Sharansky. Where was he? Why was there delay? It was only later that the story was told. When he was told that he was being released, Sharansky lay down in the snow in Siberia. Not to kiss him farewell. He lay down in the snow and he let it be known that he will refuse to leave Siberia until they give him back his Tehillim. He's going nowhere without his book of Psalms. Give it back or I'll stay another nine years. I'm not going anywhere without it. And they thought this guy's nuts. <laughs> he has a chance to leave and he's not. Let him stay in the snow. And the crisis pursued, delaying his release for hours. Eventually, they had no choice but to return the Tehillim to this very stubborn, courageous Jew because the world was waiting on the bridge. Sharansky left the prison the same way he entered it, with his head held high. Make no mistake about it. The Sharanskys played a major role in bringing about the downfall of communism. The courage of one man and of one woman who knew that they could make a difference and they would not rest until they did. You see, the Sharanskys were able to do what they did because they knew, they knew that they were not grasshoppers. The exact opposite of the mistake of the ten spies of this week's portion. The exact opposite is true. They knew that they were giants and that the communists were the real insects. Indeed, we all have our defining moments. 
If only we realize the power that God invested in our souls, if we realize how precious our service is. So it's up to us to find out why. Why me? What does God want from me? What role do I play in his master plan? But make no mistake about it. You have something to offer. You have something unique. You have something special. Without you, the rest of the Jewish family is incomplete. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.